0: Welcome to Awakening Church. So good to be with you. Uh, Man, this is fun. You just got to know, and I wasn't planning this, uh, just tonight, for whatever reason, at the 5 o'clock in this service, it's just fun. It's just a delight to get to be with you. It's a delight to be together and see what God's doing. Uh, There's some times when, as we worship, I just can't sing because listening to you sing and hearing your voices fill this room and thinking about how God has worked and moved in such a short amount of time. I mean, we've only been doing this 10 months, and it's amazing to see what he's up to and that we get a journey together uh, to see this generation and this city awaken to new life. Uh, If you're new, my name's Ryan. It's great to be with you. And before we dive in tonight, why don't I pray and we'll get going. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thanks for bringing us together. Thanks for the chance just to be in community together. Uh, And God, I ask that this time you would speak to us. Uh, Some of us desperately need to hear from you and that your words would be clear. And you would meet our souls in the places where they need to be met most. And more than anything, God, would you not make us smarter people and smarter people about you, but would you make us a people who live lives of courageous love to those around us? May we be that kind of people and may that, what happens here, cause that out there. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you excited to be here? Yeah? Good. Good. Hey, so we're uh, in chapter 3 of Colossians. Uh, We've done this series over the summer, if you haven't journeyed with us, where we're actually diving into this book in the New Testament. It's called an epistle. Really, it's a letter. It's a letter that Paul wrote to this uh, little podunk town called Colossae. Uh, And he writes some of the most significant things about Jesus to this little insignificant town. And we, chapter 1 talks about this huge, amazing view, the wonder of who God is, the wonder of who Jesus is, and we called it, this series, chapter one, Return to Wonder. The last three weeks before that, we we're in chapter two, and out in light of who Jesus is, there are these foundational truths that are anchors for our lives, and that was chapter two, and uh, Tony spent three weeks on that. Tonight, we're kicking off a series called Recreate. Uh, We're really diving into chapter 3, and chapter 3 answers one fundamental question, one huge question, and it gives us the big box top of what this looks like right at the beginning, and then it unpacks how to go about it all the rest of the chapter. And this question is one question that I know you've asked. Whether you're spiritual or unspiritual, maybe you just knew there was a cute girl and so you showed up tonight and that's the whole, your whole background with God is there's a cute girl here and that's okay. We're thankful you're here. But if you're spiritual or non-spiritual, you've asked this question, or cute guy, okay? I didn't mean to discriminate. if you're religious or non-religious. Now, we've asked the question differently over the course of our lives, but we've asked it ever since we're really, really young, even to today. And we continue to ask this question because there's this thing inside of us. There's this longing deep inside you and I that started early, early on that says something's, something's broken. There's a searching that life isn't the way it should be. There's a longing for life to be restored that you're kind of always working towards how do I, and here's the question, how do I be the person I was designed or created to be? That's just the question. And now, now, for us, uh, those of us who would call ourselves followers of Christ, we'd ask the question this way. How do we become the person God created us to be? I mean, just think about this, that the reality is, is if there is a God and He created all that we see and He created you and me, your existence on this planet is not haphazardly or a mistake. It is purposefully designed. You are here for a reason. And to ask that question is perhaps one of the most important questions of your life. How do I become the person God created me to be. But even if you're not here uh, religious and you don't believe in the whole God thing yet, you still ask this question, how do I be the person I was made to be? Because you and I inherently understand we're not there yet even though, and there's some of us that kind of try to act like we got it all together. The reality is, and this is just like a cue for everybody else, right? Because you look at other people and they're like, man, they got their life all taken together. Uh, all, you know, everything looks good on the outside. and They're real kind of cocky and kind of confident. They're scared spitless, by the way. They, they are. Because inside, when it's quiet, when it's calm, that question bubbles up. How do I? Be the person I was made to be. How do I become the man I was made to become? The woman I was created to be, designed to be. And here's what I found in my life in trying to answer that question. Because I my story is I grew up in the church. So so I asked this question from a very young age. I asked this question because I realized there was this brokenness in my life that I didn't measure up to who I even wanted to be, let alone who I was made to be. And I came across this passage as a young kid, and this passage confused me. In 2 Corinthians um, 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, when I ask this question, how do I be the person I was made to be? How do I be the person I was created to be? I look at this passage, and inherently in me, I have this response. That's a nice slogan. Nice idea, but that's far from reality. You ever ever just felt that? I mean, just that reality. And, And for those of us who are followers of Christ, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, brand spanking new, and you're going like, yeah, I kind of experienced some of that when I first came to Christ, and it says the old is gone. And you're like, "Nah, <laughs> uh uh Because I can point to the old in my life, and you can point to the old in your life, and you're going, the old is gone, and he has come, and we wrestle with this tension. The way I tried to answer it was this cycle. I got caught in a cycle. I don't know about you, but I think this is a cycle that is common to our existence because we're always asking this question, whether you are a follower of Christ or not. Uh, How do I be the person I was designed to be, the person God made me to be? And here's the cycle. Uh, we get caught in the cycle I do uh, is I start trying hard. I, I look out there and I kind of look at different people of how they are and go, well, I want to be like them or I want to be like this. Or I get these lists in the Bible. and I'm like, OK, I'm don't do this. Do do this. And all of a sudden I did did and do do and I'm like, OK, whatever, you know, and I try hard you ever been there where you just like you see this and you just try hard you you have a moment here where you get clear with god and you have good intentions you leave and you try hard and you do good and in my case i do good for like maybe an hour you know i'm not gonna lust i'm not gonna oh you know i'm not gonna gossip i'm sorry you know you do good and then you fail. you realize you're broken. You realize you're not who you long to be, and you're not fulfilling who you're made to be, and that brokenness inside, it just continues to remain, and that question just gnaws at our souls. And what inevitably happens is then we fall into this guilt-shame season. So we try hard, we do good for a season, and then we fail, and then we feel guilty shamed we hide from god some of you you're back at church for the first time because you were going to go last week but you did something on saturday and you didn't feel like you should come which is ridiculous you should come by the way but you felt like that and so you had to go and leave seven days you know until you could come because you were hiding you felt guilty and ashamed and somehow we live in this cycle of try hard do good fail guilt, shame, repeats. Try hard, do good, fail, guilt, shame. Maybe this time it's four or five days before I want to try hard again. Maybe it's a year for the professional Christians. What happens is try hard, do good, fail, repeat, and then you just start faking it on the outside. You don't want to tell anybody what's really going on because you think everyone else has got it together. You think everyone else has answered the question, how do you be the person you are made to be? And you don't realize that we're all wrestling with that question. And so you start faking it, and you present someone that's not true on the outside because you're ashamed of who you are on the inside. Been there? What's amazing is that God longs to speak into that cycle and meet you where you're at. He has not left you to try hard, do good, fail, guilt, shame, repeat. That is not the total existence of your life. If you got your Bibles, would you open them up to Colossians chapter 3? Here we're going to get the big picture of how do we be the person God created us to be. I mean, how do you break free from that cycle that actually doesn't produce anything in you and doesn't change you? You just go on repeat after repeat after repeat. How do you break free from that and you begin to step into the life where you were designed and you were meant to be, where life is you experience peace in your soul? You experience joy in your relationships. How do you be the person you're designed to be. Colossians chapter 3. It starts with embracing a new starting point. It begins with embracing a new starting point. Notice what it says here, and I'm going to just read the whole passage, and then we'll dive in and break it apart. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ with God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. How do you be the person God made you to be? It begins by embracing a new starting point. A brand new, radical starting point in life. Did you notice what it said? It said this. Since then, you have been raised. Now, first of all, let me give you just a little background on the Greek here. Since. Circle that word, since. Some of your Bibles, if you're going in a different translation, it says, if. And you're going, well, is this a question mark? If you've been raised with Christ. And you're like, How do I know I've been raised with Christ? I don't know. This is actually a first-class condition. This cause a first-class condition. This is where Paul is making an argument to saying, since this is true, then this is how you should live your life. As a result, if this is true, then this is how. He's not making a question. He's making a proclamation of truth, saying by default, this is true. First-class condition. As a result, this is how you live your life. Start with a new starting point. Since. You have been, what's it say? <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's overwhelming. <laughs> and what, what tense is that in, by the way? Past. We've got Greek sol- scholars in here. Amazing. Past tense. It's something that was accomplished. In fact, it's in the perfect tense in the Greek where it is something that happened at a punctiliar point in time and it has ongoing results. That's what the perfect tense means. And so it's happened at a point in time where you are literally raised with Christ and it has ongoing results of that reality. The new starting point for you and I is not somehow do you try to attain a new life, somehow you work to be good, but you have a new life. The new starting point. I have been raised, resurrected, brought to life in Christ. Now, too many Christians are trying to attain or earn this new life. Too many of us, instead of embracing that it's already been attained for us, we're working hard to earn it and striving, saying, we're going to try hard to get it. See, the reality is, for you and I, we actually are working out of a new life, not working for a new life. You catch that? We're working out that we are made new. We are working out of the reality of that new life, not working for someday to be new one day. Okay, you don't get it. Let me give you an example, because I'm getting these looks and you know, like, I don't get it. What's that mean? I was riding bikes with my wife. And my wife is the most amazing, like, furniture finder on the face of the planet. I mean, she's incredible. And so, like, we'll drive past garage sales, and you know, I just drove past some chairs. I knew she wanted me to pick them up. I just didn't want to pick them up because I didn't want them at my house, you know. But she loves those sort of things, and she restores. She sees the potential in all of it. And I wanted to get in on the game. And i had been looking for a, 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 a um, table. That's what that is, by the way, the hand motion right there. That, that meant table. Glad you caught that. A table for my backyard, my deck. I've been looking for a long, long time, riding bikes in my neighborhood, and I see this table off to the side. Someone put out his junk. Someone put out his old. It's, it, it's just, we don't want it. We discarded it, and I was like, Jenny, let's go look at it, and one of the few times, she did not want to look at it. I'm like, I gotta go look. I ride across. I see this table. I'm like, it's great. Didn't know about it. I ride back to my neighbor who has a truck. and I said, hey, will you come with me? Pick up this table. And we load it in the back of his truck, get in the backyard, and look underneath the table, and it has this stamped on it, right underneath the table, it has this stamp, Smith and Hawken. Now, for those of you who don 't know outdoor furniture like me, Smith and Hawken is a really expensive brand. Now, this table was not just a Smith and Hawken; it was a teak Smith and Hawken table, full teak in fact it, this it had pull-outs in the center divide that flip out, so we can like sit 12 people around this table. I spent months sanding it back down and polishing it and getting it, and you will go in my backyard. It looks like a brand new Smith & Hawken table. It's beautiful. I mean, it's a couple thousand dollar table. Now listen. Nothing that I did made that table a Smith & Hawken table. All I did was work out what was already in that table. That table was a Smith & Hawkins teak table, and the work I did wasn't try to make it something that wasn't working for it. I sanded it and worked on it, and as a result, you just got to expose what it truly was. Because it was left on the side of the yard. It looked like trash. It looked broken. It looked like nobody wanted it. And the reality was, was inside what that table was, was this beautiful piece of furniture. See, you don't, you don't, you don't. You don't work for a new life. The new starting point for you is you're working out of it. You're simply revealing your... God has already put in you. See, how do you be the person God made you to be? It begins by embracing a new starting point, that you're not junk on the side of the road, that you're not worn out and trashed, that you're not starting from a deficit and somehow trying to attain, but God has placed inside of you this new life. Let me give you a few examples of what that means. Your new starting point, this new life that the Spirit of God literally indwells you, says the moment that you receive Christ as Savior, the moment you invite Him, says the same Spirit that raised the Christ from the dead now dwells inside of you, bringing new life. That you have been justified. Now, it's a big theological term, but here's all it means. That when God looks at you, he declares, just as if I'd never sinned. That he sees you. He sees you as whole and right. He sees you as beloved, a new starting point, and adored. That you're the object of his affection. You don't have to work to be his beloved. You don't have to earn his adoration. He says to you, your new starting point is one of simply the object of my affection. Your new starting point is that you are an adopted son or daughter of the king most high. You are fully a part of the family of God. There are no kind of half in or out people. There are no like, you know, that one brother that you wish wasn't really part of your family type people. Everyone's fully a part of the family of God. Full rights. He's your father. That's your starting point. Your starting point is I'm I'm his kid. No matter where you've been, what you've done, he says your starting point, I'm his kid. Your starting point is you are clothed With Christ, gone are the rags of your life. He says, I have clothed you with my son. When I look at you, I see Jesus. That's your starting point today. No matter what happened yesterday, that is your starting point is you are new. Starting point, you are one in Christ. And we often start here. We often start with this reality. We look at it and we kind of compare around in the room, don't we? And we look side to side and go, well, my starting point next to them is I got to attain up to them and try to be there. Or you know what? My starting point is better because look at them. I'm doing okay. And he says, guess what? Your starting point is your whole. You're one. You're complete. You're not comparing next to the person. You're not trying to somehow measure up and try to say, well, God likes me better than so-and-so, or, you know, if I do this, then maybe. He says, no, you're mine. That's your starting point. Your starting point is you're simply an heir of God. You have full inheritance to the riches of his grace and love and mercy poured onto you. Your starting point is you have a relationship with God to enjoy. How to be the person who God made you to be. It begins by embracing a brand new starting point. You are new. Not like you're trying to get new, but just like that Smith and Hawking table The process is just uncovering what you already are. You're not working for, you're working out of new life. The second thing, as I can hear you're already ahead of me, Is how to be who God made you to be is address the source, not the symptoms. Do you know what uh, Paul said here? I love what he said. He said, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, here's the reality. We so often address the wrong things especially in religious world. We're all about behavior modification. Stop doing this. Don't do this. And trying to control and figure out how do we not do these things. You know what Paul says here? You know what God's saying to you? Focus on your heart not your behavior. Focus on what you're thinking, not what you're doing necessarily. See, you can change how you think, you can change how you behave, and it doesn't impact your heart. You can still be the same guy full of lust and just have things around you that control your lust, but you haven't changed. You can be the girl that's just gossiping, Put, put things in place, but really never experience and become the person, because you know you. You know what's going on inside your heart. The reality is, you change your heart. You set your mind on Christ. It will change your behavior. That is the process. It is not figuring out, how do I control this out here? It is literally, set your heart. And in fact, circle that word heart and just simply write affection right above it. Set your affection. The word there, set, is really seek. Seek Him. What are you seeking? What is your affection on? Whatever has your affection lead your life. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind, circle that word mind, and just write attention. What what are the things that captivate your attention? What are the things that you just you you just can't help? They come back to your mind over and over and over again. Paul says, if you want to be the person I made you to be, if you want to be the person God made you to be, you gotta embrace it's a new starting point. And you begin to address the source and not the symptoms. And we're so focused on the symptoms out here. And he says, no, no, I'm going to the heart. Because what you need is not behavior modification, but you need heart transformation. One amen. Thank you, by the way. I don't know where the rest of you were, but we'll get there. Okay? Heart transformation. He wants to change you from the inside. But, but the question is, I, I think, what is things above? I mean, honestly, especially if you're not, like, from church world, like, church people, like, get real goofy, don't they? And they, like, over-spiritualize things. And I even read one commentator that said this. He's like, the, the man of Christ is to have his feet firmly planted on earth and his head in the heavens. I'm like, what in the world does that even look like? And I don't even know if I want to hang out with that person. So, I mean, honestly, what does it look like to set your heart on things above? In my Bible, here, and maybe, you know, yours works this way, Colossians 3 is right here. And if I flip over just one page, I'm in another letter here written to the Philippians. And here we find what it looks like to set your heart or your mind on things above. He says, these are the things that you should be thinking about. These are the things that you should invite God to take captive your attention. These are the things that you set. It's an act of obedience. Set your heart on. He says this finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true. I just love that. We're not getting goofy, we're getting just honest. Whatever's true. Because here's what I know about you and me, is a lot of times we believe things that are not true about us, don't we? And we believe things that are not true about others. We believe things that are not true about God. We have this self-talk and this self-dialogue and we don't speak truth to our heart. And he says, if you want to think on things above, begin to be a proactive speaker of truth to your heart. Get into God's word and allow it to soak deeply into your heart so that you allow His word to speak truth to your heart and life and the world around you. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true. Whatever's noble, it's good rapport. What does it go on to say? whatever's right, anything is pure. Just think about this. you just began to make that, God, I'm going to set my heart on you this week, today, this moment, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure. And when those thoughts come into my mind of impurity, when my thoughts come in, that it is, speak to me, I'm no good. Because honestly, we live out this lie. Lie that people told us. Lie that a coach or a Father or mother or friend that spoke to you, that said you're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never measure up. God can never use you. And we play these on repeat, and God says, no, 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 the starting point is I love you. You're And you just speak that truth over and over on repeat in your heart and soul, and you will see God change you, change your desires. If anything is praiseworthy excellent think about such things how to be the person God made you to be begins by embracing a new starting point addressing the sy- source not the symptoms and finally 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 you have to realize Christ is your life not merely a component of your life. Now, if you're here and you don't know God, would you hang in with me? Because I think you can get the first two and hang in with me, but hang in with me here. Christ, you have to realize, Christ is your life. Not just a component or part of your life. Notice what uh, Colossians says right here. For you died One I love that Paul reminds us that they died, that we've died. You would think that if you died, you wouldn't need reminding of it, right? Now, here's what's interesting. In the classical Greek thought, death was not actually an ending of existence, a ceasing of being. Death was this thought, that you existed in a shadowy realm, that you had a shadowy existence, that you lived in Hades in this shadowy existence. And the reality is, is many of us, though we live now, we actually walk in a shadowy life, don't we? And it reminds us that there's only one source of life, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, I love these next six words. Such powerful words. Next six words, can't miss it. Win Christ, who is your life. Win Christ, who is your life. Not a part of your life, not a nice idea to add to your life but in the very person of jesus you find the fullness of life jesus made these statements while he's on the planet i've come that you might have life and life to the very full if you've come seeking for life if you long that life is empty he says i come i'm the way the truth and the life when christ who is your life now now we do a funky thing with Jesus. And I get it. I understand why we do it because I did it with my daughter. Uh, when, when she was like coming into our family, I have three kids, but my oldest, who's nine, turning nine years old this fall, when, when she was, you know, we're expecting the arrival of her to come, she was like, I just had in my mind that we're, she was just simply an addition to our family, which is true, you know? I mean, she's just adding, and I thought, well, you know, she's just part of her family, but it doesn't change our life at all. It's just kind of, we do life, and we add her onto it, and so she's just kind of part over here, and it's like, you know, I, ha- I have my marriage, I have my job, and then Ella over here, and I thought, well, that's how it works. Now, for those of you who don't have kids, let me tell you this, because you might wake up and have kids one day, hopefully not like immediately, if you're not married and some of those other things, get that figured out. <laughs> That's not how it works. See, when Ella joined our family, it wasn't addition to our life. it changed our life forever. We operated in a whole new reality. And what we want to do with Jesus so oftentimes, times say, you know what? Here's our life. Here's our life. And we'll just take a piece of Jesus and Adam to our life. And we just want a, a component of him. We want a piece of him. And we just want it to be right here. But that's just not how it works. I understand that's, that's how I thought when adding Ella to our family. But the reality is that's not how it works. It's when Christ, who is He's the essence of life itself, how to be the person God created you to be. It's Christ. That's it. It's Christ. Christ in you, as uh, Paul would say in 121, the hope of glory. It's Christ. That's it. And that's it. It's Jesus. That's life. See, we try to fill that blank in with all kinds of things. When blank, which is your life. What, what would you fill in that blank? Think about that. When that relationship Really clicks. Who is your life? Appears. What happens? What happens when they appear? What happens? When that job finally takes off, or you finally get to the dream job, or you finally get the success or the recognition, when you finally get this or that, or the house, and the kids, and the fence, and the dog, and the cat and a squirrel. I got a raccoon right now, I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs> When Christ, who is your life. See, I promise you this. I promise that you have been on a search for life and that you have been filling that with things that you thought would bring life and they've left you empty. If you've been putting something in there that says, okay, i, I, I got to answer that question. How to be the person I was made to be. How do I experience true life? And you fill in that. And it says how to be the person God made you to be. You must realize Christ is your life, nothing else, nothing more. Now, let me give you maybe a new cycle to embrace this week. Would you, would you try it with me? I mean, I mean, this week, if you, like me, been caught up in the old cycle of try hard, do good, fail... Guilt, shame, repeat. Would you embrace this week a brand new cycle for your life? And here it is. Rest. Rest. Not try hard trying to earn God's favor. Try hard trying to measure up to be someone you long to be. Rest in the reality of who God made you to be. You are a son and daughter of the King Most High. Would you allow your heart to rest in that grand truth of your new starting point, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, if you are in Christ, that is true of you. And then would you, would you renew? Would you renew your mind and your heart? And stop trying to change the behaviors around and you say, you know what, I am simply going to set my heart and my mind on things above what's true and noble and praiseworthy. Would you take this passage, in fact, this passage here, that uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, and you just take it and say, this week I'm just going to, Allow it to just sink deeply. And I'm just going to read this passage and allow whatever God brings up daily just to bring it back to Him. And you would renew your mind in Christ. You would allow His Word to dwell in you deeply. You would rest in who you are. You would renew your heart and your mind. And when you fail, instead of falling into the guilt-shame and going through this cycle because honestly in that moment you do so much harm to your soul because you're running from the God who longs to welcome you in. You're running from the place that brings peace and hope and forgiveness. When you fail would you review? Review that you are forgiven fully. That you are accepted. Would you review that he has made you whole, and he welcomes you in with open arms. that you would rest, you would renew. and when you fell, you would reveal and repeat. "Would you try it this week?" I, I, you know, just try it. Try it for the next seven days. Some of the biggest things in my life that I thought God could never change happened by, for me when I began to embrace who I was and rest in that reality. And I began to just get His Word in my heart. I mean, that's it. When I asked that question, how do I become the man God made me to be? I look at the realities of being a dad and a husband and a pastor and the weight that I feel. Sometimes it's just overwhelming. And, and honestly, this last week, there, there was just a moment where I just felt like, and it was, I think it was Thursday night, it was Thursday night where I had been going along and literally just failed, epic fail. <laughs> I and mean, God so protect me. And in the morning, in the morning, instead of going like running from Him, you know the words that came to my heart and mind is, "I'm new. I've been made new in Christ. He loves me. I'm His beloved. I have it. He He adores me. He welcomes me home." It's not the end of the road. Romans 8 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. His grace pours anew. The prophet said that His his mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. And rest in those realities. Renew my heart. Would you do that? See, and Tony talked about it last week, and I got to say, when I was, uh, for a long time, from high school on through, I I I struggled with pornography. It was an addiction. I thought that was who I was. That question, how do I be who God made me to be, was so discouraging. I remember one night thinking, man, I might as well just end my life. I never took it to the end, but. I was just thought, there's no way I could be the person God made me to be. No way. It felt hopeless. I felt alone. I felt discouraged. I felt like I was just caught in that cycle that it talked about. And then I came across, and it wasn't the same passage, but what you'll find is that the New Testament in God's Word says the same thing over and over about life transformation and how you become the person you're designed and meant to be. And it was in First Peter where it said, we have everything we need for life and godliness through our true knowledge of Him who has saved us by His own glory and greatness. And I just remember going, I have everything I need. If I just lean hard into you, if I'd rest in who you made me to be and renew my mind. That's the hard work, and we're going to talk about that next week. That table illustration, in fact, we're going to unpack that because there is the, the new of who God made you. There is some sanding to do, okay? We're going to talk about that next week. But I end with hope. God is not finished with you. God is not done with you. And as his word says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of redemption. Would you, would you embrace a new starting point for your life, renew your mind, and just begin to embrace, this Christ, it's Christ my life. Let's pray. God, I just pray for the person who doesn't know you. And if you're here and you just came to my mind, would you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to start a relationship with him tonight, you can. And all you have to do is simply go, Jesus, I desperately need you. I long to have a relationship with you. I long to be the person you made me to be. Will you come into my heart and make me new? I don't understand how it all works, but I'm trusting that you will come into my life. And if you're here, and man, you, that longing to be made new, and you know, what we talked about, may God give you the wisdom to know what to do and then the courage this week to do it even when it's hard. In Jesus' name, amen.